You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. Asia-Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. We are back in the studio and live. It is February the 5th. I'm Giselle Hanna. I'm James Barry. And we are taking you through to 9.30 this morning. Um, Thank you to all of our loyal and dedicated listeners that stuck through us through the summer programming. Of course, 3CR played um, alternative uh, radio during that time. But yes, Asia Pacific Currents is back for another year. Wonderful, but without Pierre. Without without Pierre. But look, I I think the listeners are going to cope. Absolutely. We're still going to cover the same news, the same politics, the same industrial issues. And we'll try to recreate the offensive banter that we know uh, you all love and tune in for. That's exactly right. (laughs) Next week, um, there will be another um, Asia Pacific Currents team. Um, Jody, who you heard from last year, is back next week. And Pierre Chaveri, who is a a new um, presenter, will be joining us for the first time. So we'll uh, prepare for those introductions for next week. But of course, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms. Uh, later in the program, our feature story for today is looking back on and reflecting on 12 months, one year on since the Myanmar coup, the coup in Myanmar. So we'll be hearing from Debbie Stoddard at that point. But of course now it is time for news from around the region. And we're going to start in Cambodia where the Labor Rights Supported Union of Khmer Employees, the L- excuse me, the LRSU, has reiterated its demands for the unconditional release of eight workers from the Nagaland Casino who have remained in custody since their strike was broken up by police in Phnom Penh in December last year. The LRSU had been attempting to collectively bargain with Nagaland for most of 2021 but had been rebuffed and were drawn to strike after the company terminated the employment of more than 1,300 staff suddenly in December. The union argues that rather than being a cost-saving measure for the company, of course the business has been affected by COVID restrictions on tourism, that instead Nagaland's actions were a clear attempt at busting the union since more than 1,100 of the 1,300 sacked workers were union members. The LRSU are demanding the immediate release of all members still in detention, the reinstatement of retrenched workers and the immediate return of Nagaland to negotiations in good faith. Moving to Iran now, where teachers are striking, had, had, strike, strike, had a strike this week in 120 Iranian cities. 
This week, thousands of Iranian teachers went on strike throughout the country demanding better wage conditions. The protests were part of a series of rallies that have been taking place since 2018, as a coordination council of teachers' trades associations has demanded that the government bring teachers' wages in line with other public sector employees and reform their pension programs. The situation has become progressively more dire as inflation is running at record levels and the currency is in decline, largely owing to US-led sanctions and mismanagement, including corruption, in the government. The food prices have risen by more than 60% in recent months, while wages have stagnated. On Monday, demonstrators chanted for the release of political prisoners and recited slogans against the president, accusing him of not caring about education. In fact, their slogan points to the fact that he has very little education himself. Um, the teachers were joined in solidarity by firefighters, nurses and employees from the state judiciary. At least seven arrests were reported. And as we mentioned right at the start of the program, the 1st of February marked one year since the military launched a brutal coup d'etat in Myanmar, which resulted in thousands of arrests and at least 700 killed in the early stages of the resistance. One year on, the violence continues, particularly in provinces with large ethnic minority populations. Around 150,000 civilians were displaced in 2021 in Kareni-speaking districts of Kareni and Shan states as the government has pursued a military campaign against opponents in this region, including bombing of urban areas. These campaigns have intensified in the past two months, including a massacre of 35 villages in the Hrupusu township on December 24, and the displacement of as many as 50,000 more people. This scale of violence has not been limited to Kareni areas, and the Myanmar coup, one year on, is, as we said, our feature story on today's program. We're going to learn a little bit more about you know, the economy effectively being in freefall at the moment. Uh, to Vanuatu now, where teachers have been denied the right to strike. The Vanuatu Teaching Service Commission, which is responsible for the licensing of teachers in the Pacific nation, this week denied an application by the Vanuatu Teachers Union to strike. The union had organised a month-long strike to protest the poor funding of education in Vanuatu and the insufficient number of high schools for new Vanuatu youth. The commission has threatened disciplinary action against any teachers who go ahead with any strike action, which, given the role of that commission, would mean the termination of their employment. And in Bangladesh, uh, in relation to Rana Plaza, the campaign for, for safety continues in, in that campaign area. The Cling Close campaign, alongside its partners, have launched a campaign to pressure Alchan, the new owners of Rana Plaza in Bangladesh, to sign up to a new international safety, uh, safety agreement. Rana Plaza was the site of a horrific safety accident, well, um, what we call a, a murder, which led to the collapse of the eight-storey structure in 2013. It killed more than 1,000 garment workers and injured at least 2,500 more. One of the direct results of the disaster, the International Accord for Health and Safety in the Textile and Garment Industries, which was aimed at improving factory safety, took effect in September 2021 and so far 161 companies have signed up to it. Alchan has so far resisted signing and many factories under its control in Bangladesh continue to operate without the necessary fire alarm systems and sprinklers. 
The Clean Clothes campaign is calling upon Al Chan, along with several other foreign corporations in Bangladesh, to immediately sign and abide by the new accord. And of course, though there are extreme limitations with the accord, it certainly did, for a period of time, make the situation better for a number of garment workers in that country. And the other really important feature of the accord was um, a prohibition on locking doors, which uh, often results in a fa- in an inability for workers to escape the building if a fire breaks out. Uh, finally, in Malaysia, a union leader has won an appeal against his unfair dismissal. The president of the National Union of Flight Attendants Malaysia, or NUFAM, Ismail Nasruddin Abdul Wahab won an important victory in the federal court on January 20 when the court upheld his appeal for unfair dismissal by Malaysia Airlines. Ismail Nasruddin was dismissed in November 2013 after the union released a statement calling for the resignation of the CEO of Malaysia Airlines. Newfam protested against the company, which had withdrawn transport services for those employed after 20, uh, 2004. So, in, despite the company provided transport being a provision in their contract, and the introduction of a harsh directive to all staff to lose weight within a very short period of time, which included women returning from maternity leave. Malaysia Airlines stated that it sacked Ismail Nasruddin for misusing his position by talking to the media. However, the federal court upheld that Ismail Nasruddin acted within his responsibility as president of the, of the new farm, and no misuse of his position had occurred. The court also upheld more than uh, 200,000 Malaysian ringgits, or 70,000 Australian dollars, of damages awarded to Ismail Nasruddin. And that is the news from around the region. It's 10 minutes past 9 o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. We're going to go to some community announcements and then our feature story for the day. CR gives space to voices excluded from mainstream media, to people who want to be heard. And to help keep 3CR on the air, you need to donate and subscribe. Call 9419 8377 or online at 3cr.org.au. I want to drive smooth, When I was new to Melbourne, I found a footnote bomb supply on the road and I had like this fist with a carrot and carrots are my favourite vegetable. Yeah, I think they were asking for help doing stuff and I got in touch. We, I guess, rescue food. That would otherwise go to waste. I like the aspect of sharing food and um, not making anyone feel obligated to pay anything for it. We make a real point at footnote bombs of involving everyone who wants to be involved in whichever part they want to be involved in. For more information, go to fnbmelb.noblogs.org. Food Not Bombs is a 3CR supporter. Paul Kelly here. Hi, this is Shane Howard here, asking you to support 3CR. Independent radio station, encouraging independent music and independent thought. They've been supporting musicians for more than 30 years, so let's support them. 12 minutes past 9 o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. And that's right, listeners, Subscriber Drive is coming up. So if you're a regular subscriber, please don't forget to re-subscribe, re-up your subscription to keep us on air. And if you've never subscribed before, well, there's no time like now to consider doing that. 
We're going to go to our feature story for the morning. Uh, Last week I had an opportunity to speak with Debbie Stoddard, who's been an activist around solidarity for the people of Burma, Myanmar, for over 30 years. Debbie is one of the founding members of the Alternative ASEAN Network on Burma, and I, as I said, had the opportunity to speak with her. You know, this coup has been a tragic failure. I've, I've said it before, this coup has been a tragic failure, tragic for the people of Burma and a failure for this military junta. The junta has arrested nearly 12,000 people in the space of 12 months. Previously, the highest number of political prisoners in Burma was 3,000 back in 1990. And this is the number of detentions are more than double that. So we've also seen the fact that um, a lot of people have died in custody, a lot of people have been killed in protest, at peaceful protests, and a lot of people have been killed as a result of military aggression. The military has stepped up airstrikes, stri- air artillery fire, traditional battlefield tactics are being used in urban areas and rural areas alike. In, in the past four months, the number of incidents where there were armed clashes either targeting or harming civilians was higher in Burma than in Syria and Afghanistan combined. That's how bad the situation is on the ground. And the military is escalating its attacks and the brutality of its atrocity crimes because it has not been able to gain territorial control of the country. It's basically launched a war against the civilians of the country who do not support the coup. I think um, uh, it, it, it is quite a horrific situation, but at the same time, it's been so inspiring to see so millions of people, so many people all around the country consistently expressing resistance in one way or another. So we, we also know, I mean, some of the formations of these people's resistance includes the National Unity Government designed to contest the, um, the, the junta made up of, you know, members of parliament, ethnic minority representatives, civil society, activists, etc. And then we also understand that there are, again, these uh, organically forming anti-junta militias, things like the People's Defence Forces. Tell us about how these resistance groups are organising. Well, the National Unity Government basically is made up of uh, the the committee representing 76% of elected MPs and ethnic um, organisations that were traditionally excluded from national politics. So that's a powerful coalition. And and basically the cabinet at this point appears to be the seems to be the most representative in terms of Burma's history. We've got a majority of people coming from non-Burman ethnic nationalities, um, at least 30% women cabinet members, and the first out gay minister um, in the history of the country. So that has been really significant. But at the same time, what's happened on the ground is that since the UN, ASEAN, or anybody, uh, governments in the international community have failed to provide any type of secure, any type of civilian protection, what we're seeing is the 
the evolution of people's defense forces and other militias that align themselves with the, um, the, the, the anti-junta movement, with the pro-democracy movement. And this is not just the People's Defense Force, the PDFs, which, um, um, but also some colorful militia, including the colorfully named Bad Guys with Good Hearts, which is apparently a, a band of a, a, a resistance force of reformed gangsters. So um, the, what, what we need to understand is that these PDFs are operating in a decentralized fashion. Um, and they are also matched by, not just by a very increasingly brutal junta, but also junta militias, such as the T, which are notorious for um, um, being extremely violent against uh, unarmed protesters, but also um, as for assassinating activists and members of the NLD. So it is, it, it is potentially, uh, this potentially could become a very big, ugly mess on the ground if, the con if this conflict is allowed to continue, because the worst thing that could happen is to have hardened fighters on the um, um, leading the, the um, pro-democracy movement, which is not what we want. Now, there is still a political force and a force that is um, committed to complying with international law. What is more exciting is that last week we saw the first session of the National, Unit, National Unity Consultative Council, which, was, um, which is a, a, a council of political and civil society stakeholders discussing um, the drafting of a new constitution for the country. And we, we are seeing a very diverse inclusion, including of Rohingya, on the NUCC. So that's that's a good step forward. So we, we, we're now seeing this, this, um, this uh, situation where um, there's in, incredibly intense threat and the, the likelihood of spiraling conflict as the military in its in panic mode desperately tries to intimidate the people with atrocity crimes and escalating attacks so that they will surrender but at the same time, we're seeing this massive um, intersectoral and intersectional um, resistance where people are finding any way possible to resist, whether it is through an armed resistance or whether it's through a, a nonviolent resistance. Well, the regime has supposedly declared what its plans and intentions are for restoring democracy in, in Myanmar. They announced very early on in the conflict a five-point roadmap that supposedly includes elections in mid-2023. And after those elections, the junta says it will hand over power to an elected president. I mean, how likely is that? And, and actually, has the junta retracted that statement? Oh, you know, the junta, when the coup happened, it was supposed to be this year, elections happening this year. So the I think not even the junta, even the military itself, it, it doesn't believe its own statements. And we need to understand, like um, uh, you know, people. When we when we when we reflect back, 
the international community was extremely shocked that there was a coup. Why? Because they saw the economic boom in Burma and did not imagine that the military, which was one of the main beneficiaries of this economic growth, would actually uh, uh, um, basically stab itself um, and hurt its own economic opportunities. And they, so this is the this is the irony of it all that the coup itself is not logical that there was such a thing as a coup is not logical given the military already was sitting pretty in terms of the economic and political life of the country. But when you dig further, then you understand that this coup is essentially the worst manifestation imaginable of toxic masculinity. This is a coup that was initiated by senior general Min Aung Lai who was supposed to retire in July when he reached retirement age and he, who would have lost an, a huge amount of political and economic influence in the country. He was the one who tried to pressure Aung San Suu Kyi to make him president. And when she refused, he threw a tantrum, arrested her and launched the coup. Now, other people in the military who also joined the military for economic opportunities are hurting. They do not think, they do not agree with the way this situation has deteriorated and how this coup has just gone off the rails, gone out of control. I mean, the Myanmar charts de uh, devalued by about 60% in September. That's how low it plunged. Um, you know, 48% of the population are now projected to be in situation of poverty. Um, you know, the, all of these and more and more companies are pulling out, not just because of the human rights situation or because of the reputational risk. It's also because the junta's disproportionate violence and its crackdowns are actually affecting business infrastructure. So businesses just can't run anymore. Most of them are mothball and they're just waiting, trying to wait out the school. And a number of them have already realized it's a year into the school and they can't afford to hang around. And that's why we've had the gi these oil um, giants, uh, Chevron and Total Energies announced that they're pulling out. Woodside Australia also announced that they're pulling out. And this is, and, and so this is something that is really concerning to other members of the military. Even some military families have anonymously been posting um, uh, uh, selfies um, of, of, of signs of resistance on social media to show that they, they themselves are against the school. So at this point, what we, can, what we really need is a global arms embargo. We need the UN. Um, to commit to referring Burma to the International Criminal Court because the NUG itself has already officially recognized the jurisdiction of the court. We need accountability for these crimes, an end to impunity, but also we need targeted economic sanctions that's going to hit the regime's fa regime family pockets so that they will eventually purge men online because they realize he's the one, he's their biggest liability in the country, and he's the one who dragged this country down this horrific and disastrous path.
Well, that was a perfect note to finish on, actually. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, you know, let's not forget. Let's not forget that amongst those political prisoners is an Australian academic, Sean Turnell. And I think it's also, um, it's also, let's not forget that there's an Australian who is a political prisoner in of this military junta, and it's Sean Turnell, who was a, a, prof a professor and academic at Macquarie University. What is quite shocking is that other foreign prisoners, including Americans, were, were, were released um, within months of their detention. And, and on February 6th, Sean would have been detained, unlawfully and arbitrarily detained without much access to legal counsel for a whole year. 3CR Community Radio is dedicated to exploring the issues that affect our future. Because I think it is something we just need to be talking about. 855am. Tune in and listen up. Luciano and Georgia Keats, supported by the Australian Queer Archive, present Queer Ways, retracing Melbourne's queer footprint. Queer Ways is a community art project that maps the queer history of Melbourne, combining our community's stories and voices, past and present, into a permanent, interactive record of being queer in Melbourne. Visit www.queerways.melbourne now to record your story in queer history and explore our city's untold history. Queer Ways, a 3CR supporter. And that feature interview that you heard was Debbie Stoddard, the founding member of the Alternative ASEAN network on Burma, speaking about the 12-month anniversary. That last point about um, the academic that is in prison, still in prison in Myanmar, is that the Australian government has failed to do any um, advocacy or any work to try and um, affect his release from custody. <clears throat> Uh, just in the closing minutes of the show, I want to make a couple of announcements. Later today at six o'clock, there is an online rally for Tamil Oppression Day. Go to Facebook and look it up. Type in Tamil Oppression Day National Online Rally and you should get the details of the event. There'll be speakers um, and discussion and some chanting, uh, of course, uh, as a part of that online rally. Uh, Tamil Oppression Day will be the feature story for um, Asia Pacific Currents next week on the show. And also just consistent with what we were talking about today, the um, the coup in Myanmar 12 years on, the MLR, the Marxist Left Review, which is a journal that is produced by Socialist Alternative, there is an online forum by the MLR on Myanmar's unfinished revolution. Um, there will be some Burmese activists participating in that. It's on Sunday, the 20th of February at 7 o'clock. So make sure you get to that. Um, but that is really all we've got time for, for another episode of Asia Pacific Currents. So it's goodbye from me, James Barry. And me, Giselle Hanna. So stay tuned for um, the, to 3CR for the rest of the weekend. Coming up next is Palestine Remembered. 
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.